going to give a little bit of my testimony and a mix of like also just experiencing what happened at camp because it was just a really moving time and it was just really astonishing to see how God moved in, in power with all the youth and everything. So I think each of us kind of came with like some sort of struggle that we were carrying or something that was just a burden that was weighing us down or maybe it was like a decision that needed to be made or maybe it wasn't even like we didn't know Christ at all or we felt distant from God and we felt like we needed to come closer to him. So I feel like Everyone, even though we had all these things that were on our heart, God met us wherever we were at, no matter what situation we were in, because God's still the same God today, yesterday, and forever. And so he just met us all where we were at, and there was a very intimate moment for me, and it was when we were worshiping, and we just made an altar to God, and we just came down, and we were all kneeling down to him, and we were weeping and crying, and I'm a very emotional person, so I was just like tears all over, I was just drenched in and I was just crying my eyes out because I could just feel like such a big presence of the Holy Spirit just refreshing over me and just pouring over me and I could just feel like shackles like being broken and just <laughs> and I just felt such a weight that I was carrying just like being poured out and it was just like not there anymore and people were praying over me and it wasn't just like just the leaders but it was just beautiful because all the youth, too, we were praying for each other. We were comforting each other. And it was just something that was just so beautiful to see and how we all just came and surrendered to the Lord and we sacrificed everything. We sacrificed our hearts for him and we were just awakened by God and whatever he had in store for us and just saying yes to yes to him and his plans, even though some things you don't know what's going to happen, but it's just that God's in control of our lives and that we don't have to do it alone, and we don't have, we don't need to do it in our own strength. Sorry, I'm a very emotional person, so I'm just crying a lot. Um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just a very beautiful and just amazing experience to see what God can really do and how He can just work in the lives of all the youth there. And it wasn't as Cassie was saying; it's not just something that can happen but it can happen at home, and we could just bring these things to our household, and yeah, it was just beautiful, so thank you, and if any of you are interested and want to go to camp next year, you know other youth and know other people that would be interested in that, definitely come talk with any of us who have gone to camp and talk with Kevin or any of the leaders, because we would definitely love to have you come, because it's just something that is out of this world, and I can't even begin to explain it, because you have to experience it yourself, so yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you guys didn't make it to camp, you missed out on a ton of fun. All right? It was actually amazing. And, you know, sometimes you go to camp and you're like, man, the food's going to stink. It was amazing. All right? We had a great chef named Patrick. All right? It was, it was beautiful. But the most amazing thing was, you know, when you're there for, you know, around a week, you know, spending time with these kids who are incredible, uh, these kids really had an encounter with the Lord. And that's what makes it most special. You're away from your parents, your phone. We take the kid's phone away, all right? They don't like that at first, all right? But, um, you know, they get disconnected and they plug in to God. They plug in, you know, to nature and they get to see, like, his creation. And it's just beautiful and wonderful. And, um, and so uh, we just want to, uh, we're going to acknowledge that today. Um, one thing that did happen at camp, if you saw, we had 13 people get baptized, uh, which was pretty awesome. Um, 
And it, and it all started with my friend Shane, who it was, it was, I think, his 30th birthday that day. Uh, they just had a kid Wednesday, their first kid, all right? So his kid, guy's been busy, all right? Um, and uh, uh, he's like, man, I feel like I want to get baptized. And sure enough, 12 other students are like, I want to do it too, all right? So um, I just want to recognize two students who got baptized that are here this morning. Um, uh, Ellie Wheeler, will you come to the front, please? And Michelle Sabry, will you also come up here? Michelle. Yep. Just want to give these guys uh, certificates and recognize their public proclamation for standing for Jesus. Amen. Cool. Um, I also want to thank you guys as a congregation. Uh, you, guys, you guys know we did that spaghetti uh, lunch, all right? And some of you guys gave to that. And I know a lot of you guys were praying. And a lot of you guys invest a lot of time in, in students. And I just want to thank you so much for all that you do. I mean, you're truly making a difference in the next generation, and we need more and more of that. So thank you guys so much. It, it, was, it was absolutely incredible. Um, so re- recap of camp really quickly. I'm just going to show a few, uh, talk about a few highlights of what we, what we talked about every night and each morning at camp. The first night, we got kicked off by Jess Aquino. Jess Aquino, you're in the house. There she is over there. What's up, Jess? She gets mad at me if I don't, like, give it, you know, say hi to her, so... Jess is for you. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Jess was amazing. She started off with a message of hiding from God, but also hiding in God. And there's a very big difference in that. And it was incredible. Then then Kat talked about holiness of God. And we had a message about awakening our lives to the things in the spirit of God. Also friendship and partnership with God. And then Nate Wheeler ended us with partnering with power. And it really was incredible. All the messages that went forth, I mean, man, every, every speaker was very dynamic. And today, we're going to continue kind of that theme with taking a stand. Taking a stand for Christ. There's a reason why uh, we're talking about that this morning. is because every day when we wake up, it gets harder and harder to stand up for the Lord. The direction our culture is going, the direction, you know, we, we've seen what's happened in, in the schools over the last 40, 50, 60 years. I mean, they basically try to kick God out of everything, taking down Ten Commandments from judicial system. You know, they didn't allow Bible to be, you know, talked about anymore. I mean, you used to go to, to school and you read out of the Bible, you taught out of the Bible. It was totally accepted. And now if you bring the Bible to school, you're like, whoa, who are you? <laughs> you know, we've done a total divine, like reversal of where we've been. And it's sad. And our, this generation is growing up really without knowing and encountering the God that created them. And without people that are willing to stand up and live out a life on fire, they're never going to know this amazing God that loves them more than they could ever realize. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, in, in uh, a number of places in the Bible, another reason why it's very difficult to stand is because we have to realize that, yes, God is divinely in control over everything, but the ruler of this world currently right now is Satan. First Peter 2.11, it says we're foreigners and strangers in this world because where's our home? Our home's heaven once we become a Christian, right? In John 12 and 14, Ephesians 2, John 16 and 2 Corinthians, it says Satan is the ruler of this world. It's like, but we also have to realize that, that he will be cast out. 
that we have given authority over him and that he, uh, he that is in us is greater uh, than he that is against us. Every day we wake up, we're fighting in a spiritual battle. There's a real war that rages and goes on. And when you stand up for Christ, you put a mark on your back because Satan's going to come after you. He doesn't want you on fire for God. He doesn't want you ruling or ruining this kingdom that he's setting up down here on earth. And it's a fight. It's a struggle. And one thing that, that Greg does that I love, every time we go to prayer, all right, if you were to come downstairs on a, on a Sunday morning at 830, the first thing he does is he starts putting on the armor of God. And we need to do that. We need to wake up every day ready to fight, ready to go to battle, ready to love for God. And I just saw this um, in a clip, but it says, uh, the Holy Spirit is our unfair advantage. And we'll get more into that, but it really is so true. And standing up for Christ, right? Now, when you think about it, you really think about what God did for us. It's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, here's a God that's gonna leave everything, heaven. I mean, I can't even imagine what heaven's like. Have you guys ever really thought about what heaven's going to be like one day? Seriously thought about it? You guys need to think more about this, all right? I get so excited when I think about it. It's not that I want to die. All right, babe, I love you. I'm not going anywhere soon, okay? All right, it's not that. It's just I I just get excited, you know, like what is heaven going to be like? I mean, there in the presence of God, you know, can you imagine like streets of gold, all right, perfect. I mean, God created Eden. It was amazing. And I just can't imagine, like, what's going to be up there? What are you going to find? You know, what's my mansion? You're just kidding. Like, um, all right, I'm excited about this. But, but God, Jesus, he left all that and he gave everything to us. And also says, you know, in scripture that we're the bride of Christ, right? We're the bride of Christ, right? And I'm the bride of Arya Gervati, okay? Now, I just want you to think about this. Some people, when they live their lives as Christians, right, you know, they're, they're totally cool. They're wearing the ring on Sunday. But, you know, they go throughout the week and the ring goes in the back pocket and they start doing whatever they want to do. They don't let anybody else know they're a Christian. Hunt, how well would that go over if I went out through the week and took my ring off? You would not be happy. <laughs> All right? Not be happy, right? You know, but some of us do that. But Christ says, you know what? Everybody who acknowledges me in public here on earth, or sorry, publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But anyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. We're the bride of Christ, and we need to act like it. It also says in Matthew 16, uh, and I've just put this in context because it's right after uh, Peter kind of gets chewed out by Jesus. Get away from me, Satan, something you don't want to hear from coming out of Jesus' mouth. All right, but he goes on to say this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up the cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in glory of the Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. That's powerful. You know, we will be judged one day and, and what we do on life, how we live our life here on earth really does matter. I mean, one story, I just wanted to, I'm gonna talk about two people today who really stood up for the Lord, all right? And uh, <laughs> who literally lived their life 
on fire for God, literally. This, these guys are amazing. All right, now if you guys have ever seen the VeggieTales, uh, you know, rendition of this, it's, it's etched in my head forever. I can never get it out. All right, unless it's a good thing or a bad thing, but the probably younger guys are like, that's awesome. All right, but have you guys ever really read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? This is an epic story, all right? This is pretty crazy, all right? So if you guys haven't heard this story, all right, buckle up. Here we go, all right? So Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, what's happened is the nation of Israel is going to be put into captivity from the Babylonians for 70 years. So Daniel and his three buddies, they get taken as prisoner, and they get taken into a special school, and they're basically brought up and uh, taught. So they're going to be officials in uh, the nation, the nation of Babylon. All right, you know these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are pretty high. Daniel's probably even higher than them. And one day, Nebuchadnezzar gets this brilliant idea of building a statue to himself. Okay, have you ever been around somebody that's so in love with themselves? All right, this guy was in love with himself. I mean, can you imagine a statue nine feet wide, ninety feet tall, made of gold? All right, that's insane. Okay, I don't even know how many buildings in Manchester are 90 feet tall. There's not that many, all right? But this guy's gonna make an image unto himself and he wants everybody that's anybody in his nation to come out to this party, all right, and start worshiping him. And that's what he does. He calls all the officials, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there, all right? It doesn't mention Daniel, but they're called out and they're gonna, all the musicians are gonna come, they're gonna play. And as soon as they start the music, all right, you're supposed to go and start worshiping this idol, all right? So they do. Everyone does it. But guess what? Guess who's there standing, not bowing the knee? These three guys, right? These three guys. And they're amazing. I mean, just think about the courage it would take when you see a whole nation. It's not even your nation, right? You're a foreigner, literally a foreigner in this land, all right? You've been taken away from your mom, your dad, everything you know, everything that you've owned. It's been taken away from you. And what's amazing to me is that despite the fact that everything was taken away from them, these guys are still willing to stand up for the God that they serve. That's incredible, the love that they had for him. So anyways... These guys get ratted out by some other astrologers or, or, or officials. You know what I mean? They go up to Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, listen, you know those Jews that you put in charge? Yeah, they're not bowing for you, you know? So call them out. Now, this is amazing, all right? Shadrach, Meshach, and I go, I got to read uh, their co- the, the commentary and what they say to the king, because these guys, they, they, they got some gumption, all right? I don't know if I would have the courage to say this to a king that could literally, like, do away with me. Now, here's the other thing. They said, if you do not bow before this idol, you're going to get thrown into this blazing furnace, all right? Now, I, I like fire. Fire is great, but burning to death is not the way that I want to go, all right? So Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they say this, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into this blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. That's confidence. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it very clear to you. Wow. (laughs) You're not leaving any room for error here. All right. Your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. 
All right. Now it says here that Nebuchadnezzar got so furious and so angry, his face was distorted in anger. Can you imagine? You ever get somebody that's so mad, so angry? All right, my dad's sitting over there, right? Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> all right. Have you ever seen that? All right. I have. <laughs> all right. It's so mad. All right. Stuff. All right. I was a kid once too. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. That happens. Okay. But so mad, so furious. You lose like steam and like the blood vessel. Anyways. All right. So, <laughs> man, leaving childhood memories right now. All right. So anyways, these guys, they're like, you know what? If we got to die for the God we serve, we're going to do it. So Nebuchadnezzar gets the strongest guys in his army. They bind him up and they go to throw him in the furnace. And you know this furnace is hot because these strongest guys in the army, they're dead before Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego even hit the ground of the furnace. But what's crazy is this king who's so angry, so upset, so full of himself, all of a sudden looks into the fiery blaze and what does he see? Not three, but four people in the five. And what I love about this story is that God is saying right here, when you stand up for me, I'm going to stand with you. When you stand up with me, I'm going to stand with you. How amazing is that? God's always there. He never leads us or forsakes us. Not only that, but he all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar calls these guys out. And he starts saying, he starts acknowledging, he says this. He says, praise to the God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. His heart right there, there's something that shifts. He recognizes the God that they serve. Why does they have a chance to recognize it? Because people were willing to stand up for what they believe. This world doesn't recognize the God that we serve. Why? Because we as Christians, we haven't stood up. We've done an awful job of living our lives as an example of Jesus. I don't understand how somebody could kick Jesus out of school. We need him. Our kids need him more than anything else in this world. And it's cool. And and not only that, but he makes decrees. He says, if anybody ever says anything against this God that these Jewish people serve, I'm going to rip them limb from limb, limb from limb. And then he gives them a promotion. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Just saying. All right? It's pretty awesome. But what can we learn from these three? They were willing literally to live a life on fire for the Lord. Right? And real quick, I I just want to share a story. You know, I don't know if anybody's ever heard See You at the Pole here. Uh, but it's, it's something that happens once a year around the beginning of the school year. I know Mount Zion does it every year. Um, and it's something that we're really going to try to bring back in this region. Uh, but on September 27th this year, there's an event that's called See You at the Pole. And what that is, is that students will, from all over the nation, they'll, they'll gather around their flagpole and they'll pray for their school. And I'm going to tell you, for me... Standing up for the Lord as a high schooler was probably the scariest thing that I ever did. I'm not going to go into the story a ton, but between my sophomore and junior year, I had switched into public school my sophomore year, and I had come from Christian schools, from private schools, and I was pushed into public school against my will. 
Um, and it was very hard and very depressing for me because when I went to public school, I didn't know anybody there that was a Christian. Okay, so I don't know if you've ever felt so alone, all right, or isolated, depressed, all right, mad at my parents because, you know, they sent me to public school and I didn't want to be there, all right. Um, you know, I want to go back to the school that I had started off with or, or another Christian school. And, and between my sophomore year and junior year, I had made this commitment to the Lord. I went up to the altar during camp, by the way, which is awesome, all right, uh, and I just say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go to Africa. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I might not be up with the Vaqueros over there or something in Kenya. All right. Um, but no, God's like, I want, and I, and I even press this. I'll do whatever you want. Just don't ask me to go back to public school. All right. It's awful. All right. I, I don't want to stand up. You know, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. I want to go to a place where I can have friends, where I can talk about the Lord and not, not be afraid. And I'm going to tell you this too. I had some of my favorite teachers. I remember this guy, Mr. Burke. He was, he was my environmental science teacher. And he would even call out Christianity in, in, in class and, like, make fun of it and, like, like denounce it. And that was really hard for me because I loved this, 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 um, this teacher. But anyways, God had said, hey, I want you to go to school this next year, your junior year, and I want you to start a Bible study. And I, like, freaked out. <laughs> like, God, how can you make me do this? I don't even know anybody. I'm not a good speaker. Like, ask somebody else to do it. But I realized, like, who else is going to ask? There's no one else there that's, you know, like, living their life for God, really, that I knew of, you know. And after arguing for two weeks with, with God, like, you never win arguments with God, right? Um, so uh, I finally give in, and I made all these things, like, you need a teacher, you need all this stuff. But one of the things I was going to do, I put up all these posters all over the school. And this, this, this took courage for me, all right? This was hard. Put all these posters up, and, and the flagpole, there was this little, you know, U-shaped, you know, thing where the buses come in, the flagpole's right there. And, and see what the pole came up, and I made a sign that, hey, you know, if you want, if you're a Christian and you want to come pray for your school or you just want to pray for your school, you're not a Christian, you know, come join us, right? Um, you know, we're, I'm going to be there. And I just pictured myself, I was just going to hug a pole <laughs> while everybody in school came and, like, drive by me, and I was just going to, God, this is for you. I feel like I'm going to die. I want to die. I don't want to be here. You know, and I was going to do that, right? But I was going to take a stand for the Lord. And I did. And like four other, I think three or four other students came out and joined me that day. And it was amazing. It was incredible. You know, and, and, and through that, I found out there was this history teacher then praying for 10 years that somebody would start a Bible study. And I got real mad at him because this was all his fault. <laughs> all right. He's pretty upset. Um, but we ended up starting a Bible study in school, and it was, it was awesome. Kids started to come to our youth group because of it. And what I realized, too, that that, that solidified my relationship with Jesus. There's nothing in this world that could ever happen to me or come against me that was probably harder than that, just being honest. You know, if I'm willing to stand up as a high schooler uh, for the Lord, you can really do anything for the Lord. And what I want to just recognize is there's a number of our students here who have done that, who have taken up, you know, the cross and said, you know what, I'm going to stand up for Jesus. And I know Michaela this year, who you saw come up and speak, she started a Bible study at Pinkerton. Um, Jaden Syverson, you know, it's a Christian school. But dude, I went to her school and it was like the whole school showed up for a Bible study. I'm like, girl, wow, that's amazing. All right, because I'm telling you, I taught at public schools. I taught at Christian schools. 
Kids at Christian schools can act just like, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying, you know. This is because you go to Christian school. I mean anything, all right. So it was amazing. And this other, uh, you know, student, if you don't know Patrick, he's looking to start a Bible study at Goffstown. He already got a teacher lined up to help him, all right. And it's going to be difficult, but you guys need to be praying for him, right. Um, and and I, I don't really have a lot of time to get into to Nehemiah, but I just want to share with you, Super quick. This was another, another guy. And he stood up for his faith. And the thing was that, that, that Nehemiah had his brother come and visit him. And he asked. And this was a time a little bit later than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, there was a group of Israelites that were allowed to go back to the promised land after being there for 70 years. You know, and he asked his brother, hey, how's it going? How's it going for the people that are back? You know, and, and Nehemiah, oh, sorry, Nehemiah's brother said, you know what? It's not going good. The city's in shambles. The people aren't really living in houses. They're being terrorized, you know, by some of the people around there. It's, it's not going well. So Nehemiah, his heart broke for his people. His heart broke for his city. And this guy started to pray. And I don't really have time to go into it today, but I implore you, go back to Nehemiah. I just read the whole chapter, sorry, the whole book in the last couple weeks. And I never really, I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't really study Nehemiah, but I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to go and reread Nehemiah. So I did. And if you look at his, his prayer in verses, uh, chapter one, verses four through 11, this guy really cared about the Lord. He really cared about God's kingdom and he really cared about God's people and his heart broke. He fasted and he mourned and he prayed. And the one thing that he did, he repented. He said, God, I'm sorry for the sins that I've caused. I'm sorry for the sins of my people. And he asked the Lord, he asked the Lord for favor. See, he was the cupbearer. He had a really cush job working for the king Got to eat all his food. Now, it went bad for him. It was poison. He was dead because he was, he was, you know, the, the taste tester, right? All right? But he was very trusted by the king. And the king worked it where he got to go back to Jerusalem, you know? But when he was there, he had a vision to rebuild his nation, to rebuild the walls. And what I'm asking for you today is I, wanna, I want you to pray because I want God to give you a vision to build his kingdom. God's given you time, talents, gifts, abilities, and resources. And the way the state of the church in right now, I'm gonna get into just a minute, is not well. It's not well. But the amazing thing about Nehemiah is despite he had people coming to him, threatening his life, threatening his people's lives, they got scared enough where they said, you know what, we're gonna have one guy stand here and rebuild the wall, we're going to have another guy stand behind him with a sword, ready to defend what God has called us to do. See, they took up their armor, right? But he started off in prayer. And it was only 52 days later. 52 days, something that they thought they might never be able to accomplish. They had the walls rebuilt. And they recalled the people to the Lord and they had this mini revival there. He called the people back to the word of God and it was incredible. You know, and, and I know this has kind of been said before, but 
You know, us being in New Hampshire, the least churched state in the country. Have you ever, are you, is anybody here a sports fan? All right. Now, if you're the sports fan of one of these four teams, I am sorry. When I looked it up, you know, Google, hey, what are the best, worst sports, uh, uh, sports franchises in the country? These are the four that popped up. All right. Now, we got it going on in Boston. I mean, we do pretty well here between the Red Sox, eh, you know, Celtics, you know, Patriots, Bruins. All right. We have probably more championships than any city, you know, in America. All right. All right. That's awesome. All right. Amen. All right. It's great living up here. It's, it's a perk, all right? So anyways, but if you're ever rooted for a, a bad sports team that's continue to lose and, and get demolished and there's no hope, right? That stinks. But I'm just saying, so many people, man, you go to a game and they get so excited, you know, even if they're for a loser team, all right? You know, they'll, they'll, they'll wear the face paint on their chest and take off, whatever, you know, right? They just do crazy things. They get excited for, for, for each, you know, opening day, for championships, for all this stuff. People get so excited for sports, which is just entertainment, even though I love playing, all right? But guys, you know, when you look at the statistics, we're in last place in the United States. I don't want to be there anymore. But if, if, if that's going to change, who's going to change it? Who's going to do it? Just like God was looking at me to start a Bible study in my school, he's looking at us. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to live your life on fire for God? Or are you going to go do your own thing? It's hard. I get it. We live in New England. People are angry and uptight. And forget it if they don't have their Dunkin' Donuts in the morning. Gosh. And they don't like it when you talk about Jesus or talk about the Bible or even give them a hug or love them. The weirdos. All right? Maybe drink some sweet tea or something. I don't know. South knows what's up. But I'm just saying, we can change that. We can affect that. God placed you in a neighborhood, in a job, in a school, on a sports team, in a family. And your job is to love and love well and be a living example. Right? So what does taking a stand look like? I don't mean like we're going through 1 John and 1 John Four seven. I, whoever's preaching that, Steve, I'm sorry. All right, if I steal a line out of your sermon, coming weeks. But it says, hey, if you know God, you also have to know love. And you have to be love. And the greatest thing that, that God is, is, is love. And without loving other people, John questions your credibility as a Christian. Right? And people in New England, they need lots of love. Lots of it. And I'm telling you, I, God has put me in positions where I have had to share lots of love. I taught junior high for a number of years. I'm telling you, it's the hardest age group to teach. And some of those kids come in, they're angry, they're hard, they're, they're just mean, you know, especially the girls, sorry. Um, <laughs> They, they can be. I love you girls, all right? But you girls, man, are scary sometimes, right? You know, and, and sometimes it's all over a school year. It's a war of attrition with them. You just got to keep loving and loving and loving, you know? But when you do that, it matters. It, it weighs on them. And they start to see something different inside of you. When you really care about people around you in New England, people are like, dude, what's up with that person, you know? But I want to challenge you. We need to take a stand, 
for Jesus. All right? And your character matters. The way you love and treat other people's matters. Sometimes even more than what you say. You know, standing up for Jesus isn't just standing there with a sign on the sidewalk saying, you're going to hell if you don't know Jesus. That is not probably the best way to win someone over for Jesus. All right? But if you're someone, you know, who's like, man, hey, it's your birthday. Dude, right? Meg, <laughs> happy birthday. You know, you just celebrate other people. You're there with them in the high times, you know, in the low times. You're caring about them and you're sharing testimonies because if God's doing something in your life, I swear to you, you always have something good to say. God's always working. He's always moving. Be willing to pray for people. And sometimes it's hard, but you also have to stand up for morality. And that's difficult. The Bible preaches one thing and when the direction the world goes and what they celebrate a lot of times is something else. And it doesn't mean that we don't love those people. We don't necessarily have to agree or bow the same way that they're bowing, right? So, I, in my thoughts, I look at the state of the church in New Hampshire and it makes me sad. You know, when I hear about youth groups and, and, and other churches uh, that were thousands of people at one time. And I know after COVID, man, the church has really gotten hit hard. In some ways, it's been devastated. There, there's literally been the youth groups in the city that were 200 people and now are down to like tens of people. You know? But I want to ask you a question. Does your heart break for the lost? Does your heart break for this city? Do you pray about these things? Nehemiah 1, 4 through 11 is a great place to start. Repentance is a great place to start. Every generation needs men and women who are willing to stand up for the gospel. If you don't stand up for the gospel, and if you're not willing to be that living example, the next generation will have nothing. They'll know not the God that we serve. When you stand up for God and you live your life and you share what God does in your life, you're really literally speaking life and truth into this next generation. It's the legacy that you're passing on to them. It's what you're really going to leave behind. It doesn't matter if you're a youth leader or not. The life that you matter, even in this church as a living example, is powerful and affects all of us. And I need every single one of you. God needs every single one of you to stand. And Isaiah, when you read Isaiah, you know, he's another person that, that lived in a generation that really wasn't serving God. But when he got in the presence of God and he experienced the glory of God, God asks a simple question. Who shall I say? Who will go? Who will go for me? Who will be a living example to Manchester, to southern New Hampshire? Who? Will you? Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I. Send me, I'll do it. I love you, God, so much. I'll do it. And it really shows how much you really love God. 
Because it's hard. And to love people in that way is hard. But I'm going to tell you, one day you're going to stand up before God. Every sacrifice that you make, everything that you do to love other people, he sees it. He writes it down. He recognizes it. But not just that, other people need it. They don't even know that they need it, but they need it. Oops, can't go there yet. All right. So what I want to do is, is I just want to make a call. And I want to ask every single one of you guys to take a stand for the God that you serve. At camp, we talked about partnering with power. It's hard to stand. I don't even know how you stand without the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, Nate? But when you have him, you get a boldness. You get a courage. You get something inside of you sometimes you just can't shut up. (laughs) And you shouldn't. You know? And it's not that you need to be in the face of people, but you need to be led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. So when the right time comes, when that divine appointment comes, you're there ready to share. You need that extra patience and that extra love sometimes because sometimes people are super hard to love and they're difficult to love. But the Holy Spirit will help you and other people will see that. But the charge is this morning, will you stand? And the first thing I'm going to do, which is difficult, I'm going to ask all the youth, all the youth to come up here. If you're willing and you're here, man, I made a commitment and I'm going to stand for the Lord. I want you guys to come up here. All right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And it's hard. It's hard to stand in front of people. All right. You guys just stand right right here. Um, And what I want to do is um, I want to invite you as the body of Christ. If you want to come up here and take a stand and live your life as a living example for Christ, I want you to stand too. And these guys are going to come and they're going to pray for you. They're going to pray that God gives you boldness, courage, fire, passion. And how amazing is it for a young person to pray for you? That's incredible. That's how we're going to end. Chris, I'm sorry, John, I don't know who's, who's leading, but if you want to come up and play something, we're going to take a time. Um, and the time is now. So we're going to end it like this. And I'm going to bow my head and I'm going to close my eyes. But if you want to come up here and you want to say, God, I'll take a stand for you. I want to live my life for you. And one of these young people, they can pray for you. Amen. So Father, we just thank you so much for for what you've done inside of us. We thank you, Lord God, that you are willing to, to go all the way to the cross, to give everything for us, to take nails, to take the stripes on your back, to give up everything for us, God. God, and we wanna give everything we are for you. We wanna take a stand. We wanna be your hands and your feet. We wanna make a difference in this world for you. God, help us. Give us the courage. Give us your spirit. Give us opportunities to speak your truth and love to other people, Lord God. We just thank you so much, Lord. Use us to build your kingdom and use us, Lord God, to start a revival here in this region. God, we need you so desperately. And we acknowledge that this morning in your holy, precious name, amen. So if you wanna come up, these guys will pray for you. Um, Also, last thing, Uh, We have some s'mores cookies in the back on your way out. What greater way to show God's 
blazing glory with the s'mores cookies, but just a reminder to live your life on fire, all right? So these guys can come and pray for you. You guys want to go and pray for them? Anybody who came up, amen.